Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This week is Parshas Vayetze, and we will be discussing the halachas of Vesein Tal Umata. So tonight is when we begin saying Vesein Tal Umata and Baruch Aleinu, starting with Maros tonight. Generally, on a typical year, we begin saying Vesein Tal Umata last night on December 4th. This year, we begin on December 5th, and the reason is because this year is a civil leap year. There will be 29 days in February. And uh, this is a very rare occasion where the Jewish halacha depends on the civil calendar and not, uh, and not the Jewish calendar. The reason is, what's the reason for this? The reason is because we begin saying the same halamata based on the season, which follows the sun, not the moon. December 4th is 60 days after what is called the beginning of the tkufa in halachic terminology, which means basically the beginning of winter, when rain is needed. And that's why we wait for this time to begin asking for rain, actually saying it in a bracha, the same halamata, davening for rain. Now, we've begun mentioning rain, as in Masha Haruach, which is praising Hashem for rain, we begin that already by Shemini Atzeret. But we don't ask for rain, we don't daven for rain, until we actually need it. And that's dependent on the season, according to Halacha. Now, when the year is a civil leap year, like this year, what that means is that the dates are off by one day. They accumulate a couple of extra hours every four years until it adds up to a day. So we're actually off by a day now, which they arbitrarily fix by adding a day to February. So until February, the 4th of December is actually the 5th. And then when they add the extra day to February, everything goes back to normal. So I hope this isn't too confusing. But basically the idea is it's December 4th, unless it's a leap year, because that's when the season begins, and that's when we begin asking for rain. In Eretz Yisrael, they've actually begun saying the same Talmud a month ago on Zion Cheshvin. They need rain much earlier and they only wait a little bit after Sukkot because, interestingly, in the time of the Beis HaMikdash, they wanted to give enough time for all the people who were Eilat Regal, all the people who visited the Beis HaMikdash on Yantiv, to get home before it starts pouring and becomes difficult to travel. So that was the only reason why in Eretz they wait till Zion Cheshvin, otherwise they would have begun immediately after Sukkot. So in Eretz they've been saying the same Talmud in a month, but we start tonight. If you forget to say the same Talumata during Baruch Aleinu, you get a second chance. You can wait until you get to Shemak Aleinu, which is actually what you're supposed to do. You, know, you don't go back. You wait until you get to Shemak Aleinu. And then you insert that phrase, the same Talumata of Racha, before you finish the Bracha by saying Ki Ata Shemea. In other words, you don't say it right before Baruch Hashem. You say it before the last sentence, which is Ki Ata Shemea. Right there, you insert the same Talumata of Racha. However, if you forgot to say it again in Shema Kaleinu and you began Ritzay, so and then you just realized, oh, I haven't said Baruch Aleinu, at that point, you lost that chance of Shema Kaleinu. You need to go back. And you don't go back to Shema Kaleinu. Once you're going back already, you go back to Baruch Aleinu. You don't have to restart Shema Nasser, but you go back to Baruch Aleinu. So if you catch yourself before Shema Kaleinu, just wait for Shema Kaleinu. Say the same Talmud in the middle of Shema Kaleinu. Once you passed Shema Kaleinu, start the next Baruch you missed it, and then you've got to go back to Baruch Haleinu. If you uh, finish Shemana um, Esrei and forgot to say Baruch Haleinu, you'll, you'll have to daven and start over Shemana Esrei from the beginning. Finishing Shemana Esrei and all these halachas mean when you're finished saying all that you plan on saying, 
although you haven't t- taken three steps back. So let's say after Shemana Ashray, you say al and then when you finish al Tsar, you have a lot of personal requests that you add. You have them for six people maybe, or whatever other personal requests you add. So as long as you're adding those personal requests, while you're still saying them, you're still considered in the middle of Shemana Ashray. And since you're still in the middle, you can go back to Baruch Aleinu and add the, and, and, and say it properly. But once you finish saying everything that you've said and all you haven't done is just haven't taken the three steps back, then you're finished Manasseh. Regardless of the three steps back, Manasseh is over for you. And at that point, you need to start over from the beginning if that's the only, that's when you remembered that you skipped the St. Halamata. Now, what about if you're not sure if you said the St. Halamata? So the rule is that the first 30 days after we begin saying the St. Halamata, you have to assume that you didn't say it because you'll probably have been saying whatever you're, whatever you're accustomed to say. So you probably didn't say it. You said the same bracha, and therefore you would have to go back and dab it again. If you are 30 days after this date, so instead of Jan- um, December 5th, it's now January 5th, so 30 days have passed, at that point and on, you can assume you said the St. Halamata and you don't have to go back even if you're not sure. So there you go. There's another secular date which has significance in halacha, December 5th and January 5th. A trivia question. Now, there's another interesting place you can catch yourself, and that is after you finish Shemakhtalenu, but just before you began the next bracha of Ritzay, meaning you forgot to say the St. Halamatar and Barachalenu. Okay, so you know you have to say it in Shemakhtalenu. You go, but you turn on autopilot, and you only, catch, you only put the brakes the moment you said, Baruch HaTashem Shemei And right then you said, oh my goodness, I was supposed to say, the Saint Halamat Lebrachah. But you haven't started Ritzei yet. Since you haven't started Ritzei yet, you haven't said the first word of the next bracha, you're still considered in the middle of Shmak Eleinu, and you could just plunk it in right there. You could say, the Saint Halamat right then, and then start Ritzei. Very interesting. But that's Halacha, and this Halacha actually isn't limited to uh, this Halacha of Saint Halamat. You can do that other places as well. For example, if you forget Yalav, Yavah, and Rosh Chodesh, right? And you finished Ritzei, and you said, Hamachazir, Shechinasa, But you haven't started the next bracha yet. You haven't said Maidim. It's as if you're still in the middle of Ritzei. And you can say Yalav, Yavah, just then and there. And you say Yalav, Yavah, until the end of Yalav, Yavah, and then you start Maidim. But as soon as you start Maidim, it's too late. And you have to go back to Ritzei. So the, this rule is, is that when you're at the end of a bracha, when you just finished a bracha before you went further, it's still considered as you're in the middle of the bracha, say whatever it is you need to say, and then just continue on. But once you say the next word, you're done. <clears throat> so um, the, to summarize, you need to start saying the St. Halamater tonight. That's the first important thing to remember. St. Halamater begins tonight. If you forget it in Baruch Aleinu, wait until Shemak Aleinu, say it then. If you forget it in Shemak Aleinu, if you haven't st- started the next bracha yet, you can plunk it in right then, after, before uh, you start Ritzei. Once you start the next bracha, you've got to go back to Baruch Aleinu. You don't go back to Shemak Aleinu, you go back to Baruch Aleinu. If you finish Shemak you have to start Shemak again. And finishing Shemak in this context means you have finished saying whatever you finished you wanted to say, but you haven't taken even though you haven't taken three steps back, that's already finished, and you need to daven again. And as if you're not sure, you have thirty days where you still have to daven again anyway, but after thirty days, January fifth, you're free. And you can assume you said it. The beginning of this week's Pasha, Yaakov is running away from Asav, and he comes to a place which interestingly the Pasik doesn't really define. 
the Pasik says, Vayifka Bamakaim. He, he encountered a place. And he goes to sleep there. He then has a dream. And it's not a regular dream. It's a form of Nevuah. And he sees a ladder, which reaches all the way to heaven. And he sees, sees angels going up and down, Malachim. And Hashem then speaks to him. And he has a full-blown Nevuah. And he promises him that he will get all of Eretz Yisrael, his destiny. And he promises to protect him on his trip into Chutzlaret until he returns safely to Eretz Yisrael. Yaakov wakes up, and he's surprised. He exclaims, In truth, there is the presence of Hashem in this place, and I didn't know. And the next passage, he seems to repeat himself again, and it says, Yaakov feared, and he said, How fearsome is this place? This is not but the house of Hashem, and it's the gateway to heaven. So Yaakov wakes up and he's, he's totally blown away. Look, Hashem's presence is in this place. This is a fearsome place. And I wouldn't have slept there if I would have known this is the house of Hashem and it's the gateway to heaven. What was this place? So we're all familiar with Chazal, who explained that this was indeed a very special place. It was Har HaMaria, the place where the Akedah was, the place where the Beis HaMikdash would stand in the future. And in truth, Har Maria was a dedicated place for serving Hashem from the beginning of creation. Adam Rishon brought his kabbanas there. Noyach brought their kabbanas there. And Avram and Yitzchak both brought kabbanas there and Davin there. It was indeed a holy place and the gateway to heaven. But we also know that Chazal told us that Yaakov was fully aware of this. In fact, he had traveled past the Har Maria and he was almost all the way to his destination, Haran when he realized he had passed the place where his forefathers had all prayed. He says, how can I pass up the opportunity to daven in a place where where my father's daven? So he turned back, a trip which possibly could have taken as much as a week, but he had Kitzah Hadarach, and he went back to Har Maria to daven. He clearly reached the place, and he davened Marav, and he actually established the Tzvila of Marav for all generations. This was the Mokoim, the place which he encountered. So if Yaakov was fully knowledgeable of the holiness of this site, and that's why he went back to Davin there, why was he so surprised when he awoke? Why did he declare, I don't know. I didn't know. And why was he gripped by fear? Why did he go to sleep indeed if, if he was aware that he was on the Haram Maria? Another fascinating aspect about this moment in history was that two firsts happened that night. Yaakov Avinu went to sleep for the first time in 14 years. The whole preceding 14 years, he was ensconced in the Beis HaMedrash, the Ahaloi Shel Shem Ve'ever. And he didn't sleep, which either means literally he didn't sleep and it was an ace, or it means he didn't actually go to sleep. He just like caught a minute here or there, caught a dremel, as you would say in Yiddish. He dozed off here and there. He didn't go to sleep. This was the first time he went to sleep. The second first was that Hashem spoke to Yaakov Avinu for the first time. Now, this is his first time he had Nevoah. And both these things seem unusual. Why would he go to sleep now, of all nights? I saw a safer asking if he was afraid, as it says, he was afraid of animals, he put the stones around his head, he should have learned through the night for protection. And why did Hashem appear to him and promise his destiny only now? He was quite old at this point. He was 63. What about all those years he was studying Tyra? Why didn't he merit Nebuah then? I found two svarim addressing my first question. What was it that Yaakov didn't know? How, how could he have been so surprised that Har Maria was a holy place? Wasn't that why he went there to begin with? 
So I found two Swarm asking this question, and they give different answers, but both of them point to the same message. And I believe that message answers the second question as well. Why was this the first time for Nebuah and sleep? Yaakov Avinu, up to this point in his life, engaged in one specific form of Avedis Hashem. Yaakov Avinu was a Yeshev Ehalem. He, his life was in the Beis Madrash, meaning he was detached totally from earthly pursuits, anything gashmiistic, anything physical. He hadn't married. He didn't try to make Parnassah. He wasn't involved in politics. He was an Ishtam, totally, totally devoted to Avedis. He learned Torah all day and night. He didn't allow his body the basic needs. He didn't sleep at all. He was Kaddish and Tar through and through. Upon leaving the shame, Shiva of Shem Ve'ever and embarking on the next stage of his life, everything changed. Yaakov was forced to become fully engaged in physicality, in the darkness of Kashmir. He was going to live outside of Eretz Yisrael. He lived in the company of Lavan, who was the epitome of dishonesty and an Ovid of Adizara to boot. And he not only lived with him, he became his son-in-law and had to work for him and do business with him. Yaakov was forced to make a living and provide for his family. And he spent day and night not learning Torah, but f- working to fulfill his job faithfully, truthfully, and honestly. He testifies in the end of the parasha, by day I was consumed by heat, and by night I was consumed by frost, and I shook sleep from my eyes. So he didn't sleep, but not for the sake of learning Torah, for the sake of Gashmir, for physical things. Chazal allude to the fact that in the beginning of this journey, Yaakov was well aware of what lay ahead of him, and he was despondent. He was sad. And after Hashem revealed himself to Yaakov, and he gave him this promise, it says, Vayisa Yaakov Raglov. Yaakov raised his feet and traveled on, and Rashi brings a medrash that explains that he was encouraged by the prophecy of Hashem, and it became easy for him to travel. It lifted his spirits. Before that, though, he was thrust into a world unfamiliar to him and appeared to him as one devoid of Kedusha, Tahara, far away from Hashem in every single way possible. It was physically outside of Eretz Yisrael, it was in the company of Rishayim, and it was fully engaged in earthly pursuits. He turned back to Davin at the Haram Maria, but Rashi explains that by Yifka, by Mokham, he encountered the place. It means that Haram Maria flew out of, it, out of its natural spot and he encountered it midway. That's what Rashi said. Now, obviously, this is some kind of spiritual thing. I don't think you could see flying mountains and there probably wasn't a crater in the middle of Eretz for one night where, where the mountain used to be. But the message here is clear. The Beis HaMikdash flew to Yaakov wherever he was. Yaakov knew he was on Har Maria, but he assumed that it couldn't possibly have its holiness because it wasn't in its proper place. It was on the brink of Chutzlaret. And that's what surprised him, that indeed Hashem Shechina was there nonetheless. In addition, I saw in the Sefer of the Klosenberger Rebbe that Yaakov Avinu, being that he was despondent, and he was disconnected on some level from the highest levels of Ruchnius, which he had been engaged in the past 14 years. And this we're referring to things that are beyond our ability to understand, but the message is that Yaakov ventured out and was confused and afraid. 
and as a result was disconnected from Hashem. And he felt the loss of his madrega and the lack of Kedusha. And that's why he went to sleep. He was unable to continue the level that he had maintained for previously for 14 years. And precisely now, Hashem appears to him and demonstrates with this what Yaakov's mission will be and truly what our mission is as Yidin living in Gullus. You, Yaakov Avinu, make this place holy. Where you find the Beis HaMikdash is where Hashem's presence will reside, regardless of its physical place and regardless of your connected, connectedness to things which are Ruchnius. Although you're fully engaged in the physical world, you can create the Shar Hashemayim. You can create the gateway to heaven. And Hashem now promises, and only now promises him, his whole destiny as an Av of Klai Yisrael, because it hinges on this. Yaakov awakes and expresses his surprise at two facts. Number one, that even here, even out of its place, that Hashem Shechina resides, simply because the Tzadik is there. Yesh Hashem b'makam hazeh. And then he's fearful because of the implication of his mission. How fearsome is this place, meaning that this is now my responsibility to create a Beis Aleikim and a gateway to heaven amidst all the Tumah and all the darkness of Golos. I saw on a Sefer, Bris Avram, he explains that this is hinted in his words. Yaakov Avinu said, Ein zeh kiim Beis Aleikim. Now, it's, it's a very redundant kind of sentence. Ein zeh, seems, it's extra. It is not kiim Beis Aleikim, but it's Beis Aleikim. And he says, what Yaakov means to say is, I thought until now that the highest form of Avedis Hashem is by removing oneself totally from Gashmias and being totally immersed in Ruchmias. But now I see that Einzeh, that was a much, much lower level of service, almost nothing compared to my new mission of Beis Kim, of making every place I am in the physical a house of Hashem. And that's what he meant as well when he said, Anoichi loyadati, I did not know. He means, I didn't understand the importance of Anoichi, of my body, my guf, my physical self, that how much ability there is to attain Kedusha through sanctifying everything which is Gashmias. And this knowledge gave Yaakov Avinu so much encouragement. And he understood that this was precisely what Hashem was promising him. He would be elevated to much higher levels of Kedusha, specifically in Chutzlarat, in the presence of Lavan, fighting to make a living and stay honest by utilizing everything physical to a holy purpose with holy intent. Yaakov Avinu was Mekadesh, every aspect of the physical world, and he made every place a Beis Aleikim, and every place a Shara Shemayim. And that's our Tafkir as well. The deeper we sink into the Gullus, is not taking us further away from Hashem, it's giving us a greater opportunity to bring holiness to this world, to create a Makkam Kaddish in our own homes, in our place of work, where even though we're surrounded by all different kinds of people, and to elevate all our surroundings through our Avedis Hashem. Have a good night and a good Shabbos.